This is Greenfish Blue Oceans, the podcast where stories about seafood are good for you in the oceans. I'm Maureen Barry. On today's episode, I'm tackling E is for Escalar and the ecosystem. What is Escalar? Why should you care? Where can you find it? And should you eat it? There are two types of ecosystems, marine and terrestrial. Today, I'm going to talk about one specific marine ecosystem, coral reefs. Hey, welcome to E is for Escalar part of the program. Let's start out by answering a seemingly innocuous question. What is Escalar? Well, get ready, because there's nothing simple about this fish. In fact, Escalar might be one of the most delicious and dangerous fish in the ocean. First, here are some basics. Escalar is a large, fast-swimming fish found in warm tropic and temperate climates. In the U.S., think Florida and Hawaii. Escalar is also called walu-walu, Hawaiian butterfish, walu, or white tuna. Escalar has a firm, rich, oily flesh, making it an irresistible and delectable catch. However, that oily content is where the danger lies. Since Escalar's diet consists of food high in wax esters, and Escalar have a tough time digesting wax esters, its flesh is super oily. And super oily fish can be a problem for many consumers. Note, if you want to know more about wax esters, check out the link in the show notes. So, should you eat Escalar? Well, that's a personal choice. It is a buttery, melt-in-your-mouth fish, and you may want to gobble it up. But if you do, you need to know a few things first. The most important thing to know is where your fish comes from and who your boat captain is, and you should trust him or her. Not only is that smart business, but you will have no doubt about what you are buying and eating. Second, only eat six ounces of Escalar or less, period. Do not be a little piggy at the sushi bar. It is very good. You're going to want to eat it. And now I want to give you a warning because what you're about to hear in the next few minutes will either make you laugh or you will be repulsed. So don't say I didn't warn you. Overconsumption of Escalar can lead to abdominal cramps and diarrhea. I'm talking about spending serious time in the bathroom. Think an oily, yellowish, orange, hot mess. (laughs) Seriously. This could happen as soon as 30 minutes after eating and last for days. Or worse, yes, there's worse. You could just fart that oily liquid unexpectedly. I am not kidding. This shit happens. So how do I know? Because it happened to me. (laughs) Yes, it did. Fortunately, I was at home and it didn't last more than 24 hours. Escalar is called the Exlax fish for a reason. So now if you're still with me, thanks for hanging in. And hopefully you're laughing about this. This is why I wanted to talk about Escalar, because I think it's one of those things that people don't know. All right, so beyond the oily issue, what else can be said about Escalar? Well, we need to address the reason Escalar is being sold on the market if it's such a problem fish. 
It's no secret that the seafood industry needs to do something about overfishing. And so there's a huge push to encourage consumers to eat underloved fish. Now, I'm all about selling underloved seafood. It's a terrific way to help curb overfishing and selling underloved fish supports small-scale fishermen and communities. And as you probably guessed, Escalar is one of those underloved species. It's abundant and inexpensive. But something else needs to be addressed here too. Sometimes Escalar is mislabeled and called white tuna. So not only is this inherently wrong, but there are health consequences like those mentioned a few moments ago. So why would Escalar be called anything other than Escalar? And this is the slippery part of the story. So first of all, to a chef's credit, they may be unaware that what they're buying is Escalar. Many chefs don't buy whole fish, so at the receiving end, they wouldn't necessarily be able to tell the difference between Escalar or white tuna. They do look similar. Also, not all chefs do the receiving at the restaurant. Sometimes the dishwasher signs the invoice, pops the fish in the cooler, and goes back to loading the machine without checking the fish. Now, I like to think this is a rare occasion, but I've seen more than my share of um, Anthony Bourdain type events in my 23 years of working in the food industry. If you recall, Bourdain's memoir, Kitchen Confidential, was an expose of what happens behind the scenes in the back of the house. It's not always pretty. Now, the fault doesn't necessarily lie with the distributor either. Sometimes the fish is packaged incorrectly and is delivered from the docks with the wrong label. Fish processing is done by humans, not robots. That's not to say there are no unscrupulous people. There are indeed duplicitous fishermen and business people in the world. We have modern-day pirates, slavery, and murder in the seafood industry. But that's a story for another episode. Now, the other thought I have about Escalar being called something other than Escalar is a marketing issue. So think about this. Which of the following two descriptions sound more appetizing? You're sitting in a restaurant, sipping wine, your stomach's growling. The server reads off the daily special. Today's fish special is grilled escalar with a ginger turmeric glaze with roasted sugar snap peas. Okay, so prior to this podcast, you don't know what escalar is, so you ask the server. So he either knows, or he returns to the kitchen in search of the answer, or worse, he takes an order from a six top, then heads to the kitchen for your answer, at which point your spouse is glaring because you sent the server away. Or his daily special sounds like this. Today's fish special is grilled Hawaiian walu-walu with a ginger turmeric glaze with roasted sugar snap peas. See what I mean? Who doesn't want Hawaiian fish? It sounds exotic! Now, if you order Escalar, remember, don't eat more than six ounces or about the size of a deck of cards, and you should be fine, and no more than four pieces of sushi. However, if you have stomach issues in general, you're not going to love Escalar at all. Now, if you see Escalar in the display at the grocery, here are a few buying tips. The flesh should be firm, white, not gray, and not flaking apart. The fish should smell fresh like the ocean. Don't be shy about asking to smell your fish. It's your money and health. 
Once you get your fish home, store it in the coldest part of the refrigerator, which is generally the back, and remove the skin before cooking. And probably the best way to cook escalar is either on the grill or seared in a hot skillet on the stovetop. Lastly, worth noting, you won't find escalar at the market in many countries. For instance, Japan and Italy banned escalar. And many countries advise against its consumption because of its supposed toxicity. Escalar, like mahi-mahi, shark tuna, and other mackerel species, can also contain histamines, a type of bacterial food toxin, if not handled and stored properly. In the U.S., escalar is not banned at all. So to wrap up, sometimes just knowing is the best news of the day. That's it for Escalar. Time for a quick break, and then I'll be right back with E is for Ecosystems. Hello, and welcome back. So when you don't live near the ocean, there is plenty to think about other than what's happening below the surface. Unless you work in the industry or are a seafood nerd like me, right? But you've probably seen the ocean. Some of you have snorkeled, I'm sure, or are certified scuba divers. I'm going to fill you in on how I connect with the oceans and coral reefs, and then we'll dive in to discover some amazing things about coral reefs, a few challenges, and some solutions. So Wyland, the American artist known for his famous outdoor murals featuring whales and other sea creatures, said, All of us, at one time or another, find ourselves drawn to the sea. And for me, that moment was during the summer of 1975. I was 14 years old when mom and three of my sisters drove from our hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to Ocean City, Maryland. Once I saw the deep blue water on the horizon and dug my toes into the sand and felt the cool wetness beneath the hot surface at the beach, I knew that one day I would live near the ocean. It took another 14 years before I moved to Florida, where I lived and worked for the next 23 years in the food service industry. For the first 10 years, I managed a breakfast and lunch restaurant in the Florida Keys. When I wasn't slinging bacon and eggs, I fished for tuna, wahoo, and mahi on the open sea, grouper and snapper along the canals in the backcountry, and tarpon and cobia under the Seven Mile Bridge. I snorkeled in the warm turquoise waters along the Florida Reef, where a 3D technicolor world of brightly colored corals and tropical fish coexisted with sharks and barracudas, sea cucumbers, and eels. And all those years I snorkeled up and down the Florida Reef, throughout the Bahamas, in the Turks and Caicos, even at the Red Sea at the tip of Israel, I never went scuba diving. Mostly because at that time, I was an avid mountain snow skier, and without unlimited funds and time, I opted for the best of both worlds. But that doesn't mean I don't have an appreciation for what lies at the deep blue sea. It just means I rely on photographers and explorers who do travel down to the deepest parts of the ocean to color my stories. One of the most famous and prolific ocean divers of our time is American biologist and ocean conservationist, Sylvia Earle. Sylvia is my ocean hero. And if you're familiar with her work, then I'm betting she is yours too. So what has Sylvia's 70 years of diving and ocean conservation shown us about the coral reefs around the world? Well, first let's dive into what a coral reef is and its significance to the health of our blue world. Coral reefs are the most diverse of all marine ecosystems. They cover less than 1% of the Earth's surface 
Yet one quarter of all marine species rely on coral reefs for food and shelter. And coral reefs are important to people too. According to the Smithsonian, the value of coral reefs has been estimated at 30 billion U.S. dollars and perhaps as much as 172 billion U.S. dollars each year, providing food, protection of shorelines, jobs based on tourism, and even medicines. That's impressive. Coral reefs survive natural destructions like tsunamis and hurricanes, but may not survive man-made destruction like global CO2 emissions and warming ocean temperatures and acidification. Yet according to WWF, we've lost almost 30% of the world's coral reefs. 80% of the coral species in the Caribbean have been destroyed. The Great Barrier Reef off the coast of Australia is the largest reef in the world and is visible from space. But the Great Barrier Reef is in trouble. Humans are responsible for much of the destruction of coral reefs, like bleaching. That brilliant color in life turns white, like a ghost yard. Think plastic pollution, overfishing, ocean acidification, and introduction of lionfish, an invasive species which I'll discuss later in the year under L is for lionfish and lobster. So despite all this destruction, what's being done to protect this beautiful otherworldly environment? Well, some species will actually survive and thrive adapting to these changes. Scientists propose solutions from building shade panels over reefs to adding lime to the water to gardening new man-made reefs to attract fish and provide food and habitat for many marine species. Mostly, though, it's up to us to make changes today for our children's futures. So, a few last thoughts and a quick note about my ocean hero, Sylvia Earle, and her mission. Sylvia created the Mission Blue Alliance. She also created designated hope spots, those places around the world that are critical for the health of our planet. You can watch Sylvia's TED Talk to find out more about this special program. I put a link in the show notes for you. And then head over to Mission Blue and vote to designate your favorite hope spot. Use whatever resources you have to spread the word about what's happening to our beautiful blue planet and oceans. Share this podcast, for instance, with your family and friends and on your social media. And when you enjoy a day at the beach and dig your toes into the sand and feel that cool wetness underneath, remember, our Earth relies on you and your choices to keep that ocean safe, beautiful, and healthy. Thanks for listening. Next up, F is for farmed fish and faux fish. What's that? Tune in. In two weeks, you'll find out. Don't forget to subscribe to Greenfish Blue Oceans on iTunes or Google Play so you don't miss an episode. Thanks again. Have a great two weeks.